Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I don't believe aliens helped build ancient Egypt. I'm Eric, and Shova Kree. I'm Richard. It's a balmy room temperature here on P3X Niner 8 Niner. And I'm Peter, and I like Stargate Universe. Just in case you hadn't figured out which film we're talking about this week. It's going to be a real hard guess, I think. It's Stargate, guys. It is Stargate. And what are we going to fill our plot holes with? What do we have lying around here? Aliens. It looks more Mm -hmm. like sand. Lots. Alien sand. Alien sand. An unknown mineral in the alien sand? Possibly. And we have to dig through all the sand to get all to it first. It takes too long. coarse and rough, and I don't like it. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Even in our plot holes. No, we want it in the plot holes. We'd also like to thank our new patron members who signed up during the last, since we've last recorded. We have Jonathan Fultz and Kira Christofferson. They joined at the Amateur Ghost Hunter level which means they get to help us kill the ghost that killed John's car which is a true story and you can learn about that if you become an amateur ghost hunter and they join our original patron member or original supporter Connie Soderberg I can't remember if we've given thanks on the podcast but we're giving thanks now so to all our patron members thank you thank you thank you all right so uh yeah we're talking about Stargate so what's Stargate all about, Eric? Well, Stargate tells a story of Colonel Jack O'Neill, who travels with a companion named Daniel Jackson. They travel to an ancient world where they meet a alien by the name of Teal'c. Teal'c joins them in... Wait, wait, that's... That, uh, that's the TV series. That's the TV series. We're talking about the movie. Oh, The, the movie. All right. So the movie deals with Jack O'Neill, Colonel Jack O'Neill, who travels with his companion, Daniel Jackson, to an alien planet, where they meet an alien named Ra. Ra is kind of a bad guy who forced ancient humans to build him pyramids so he could land his spaceships on there. But the ancient uh, humans didn't like like that, so they uh, kicked him out. Viva la revolution. And he's still bitter. He is still bitter, yes. Like 8,000 years ago, and he's still bitter. But the uh, main crux of the story is there is this device called a Stargate. It is used to travel across the universe uh, if you have a special code, which co- happens to correspond to the constellations. The, the travelers travel through this gate and basically upend a civilization and cause a revolt. All right. That's succinct. Spread the seeds of revolution. The proletariat will rise up. So what are our facts about Stargate? So Stargate came out on the 28th of October in 1994. Uh, it had a estimated budget of $55 million, grossed $71.5 million in the U.S. alone, and its worldwide gross is $196 million. All right. Could also say it spawned three uh, TV series. And with one of in... various varying degrees of success. Well, the first not necessarily one... quality though. Uh, I I think they're quality. Stargate SG One ran for ten seasons, high quality. Stargate Atlantis, uh, how long did that run? I think that, that ran for six seasons. six seasons. So I think that was still quality. Stargate Star- Universe. Stargate Universe was good. It just they canceled it just as it found its feet. And that ran for two seasons. So. It should have had more because by the time they'd are, but they'd already canceled it by the time it was, yeah, going. But they even have a, a new series in development right now. Oh, sweet! So, Stargate is kind of it's kind a of big, a big deal. deal, guys. I mean, when people ask you what's your favorite star, like sci-fi if you're series, in the uh, war, you know, Wars versus Trek, I side firmly on Gate. Well, Not a bad answer. The, the concept makes sense to go for a series because there's a lot to to go in there. I just think it has a lot of an open ended world and a movie didn't really cover the potential. But I, we are it, talking. It certainly did a good job setting it up, though. We are going to talk primarily about the movie, but we'll try and talk about the series towards the end. 
But all the plot holes we're going to be solving are specifically from the movie, and we have to use the movie's internal logic to fix that. We can't take Though from we the Though we will series. probably talk several bits later about how the TV series built on several of those things that the plot holes talk about as they were acknowledged things that they wanted to deal with. All right, so what is our first plot hole? I think we're drawing these from IMDb specifically, right? Right. It looks like one guy was just very upset one day and just wrote down a whole bunch of stuff about Stargate. So we've got the first one on here talking about how many glyphs there are on the gate itself and how easy it would be to just go through all the sequences to dial out and that they could have just done that. Force force the sequence? Yeah. And that's where I have problems. Because brute force decoding takes a lot more work than these people seem to think it does because they talk about how it's been you know several years that they've been working on the project but years is how long the people have been working total which includes all of their egyptian translation get everything getting the gate set up and running acquiring funding acquiring funding from the government actually getting it down inside a mountain and Brute force decoding takes a lot more work than people seem to think. Uh, in just given an eight-character basic password on 1990s technology, it take it would have taken 6,000 years for a computer to just run through the sequences and brute force it. Not counting time it would have taken to spin up the Stargate. So it and, would probably take like a lot longer because each computation only takes a second or so or a fraction of a second. But then you have to so then... run the run the Stargate to see if it works. And then you're dealing with a lot of their other problems with they they are assuming that it either because they had the cartouche that had six symbols on it, that it's a six symbol sequence that just doesn't seem to work. So why would they even be trying for a seventh symbol? Or if you want to go with, well, it's reacting to the chevrons on the Stargate. There's nine chevrons on a Stargate, so maybe it's a nine-character sequence. And just brute-forcing a seven-character sequence isn't going to get it done. And I also want to bring up you know, the, potent- the practical effects of just trying to dial out, as the show calls. So as soon as they get the, the six chevrons are locked... The Stargate is shaking the base. What's to say that the Stargate, if they continue to do that, it would just tear the base apart? Or, you know, like any other secured thing, I mean, what happens when all of a sudden you get a video of Nedry going, uh, 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 uh. Someone hacks the Stargate. Or it just locks them out permanently. Or Yeah, like it has ancient uh, password protection where you only get five tries. (laughs) <laughs> and how much power does the Stargate actually draw? Like, it doesn't say... Like, it says later in the in the show, but... It's like in the series, but in the movie, we don't have any clue of what the... Uh... But so, another part of that plot hole, it says, uh, when they get to Abydos, uh, they can't dial out because they don't have a full sequence of characters. So they're saying, well, why don't they just spin through all of them and... No, it's even worse. Because well, the symbols are different and they don't have any of them no they have the first six the movie says they have not not until they make it to the town Mm -hmm. like when they realize they're trapped there they have nothing but i mean so okay so they have the first six but what i'm thinking is they probably only have enough power to boot up the stargate and run it once maybe twice and that's why they can't just spin through the entire... Well, that and just, thing. like, the time, because they kind of have to manually spin through it. it. The movie doesn't deal with that, so they they at least get it open, so they must have... There must have been something there that opened it up. But once again, brute forcing through a sequence that has a vast array of possibilities, because there's, what, uh, 39 symbols? There are 39 symbols on a Stargate, and if you are looking at just if you're looking at like the single uh if you're looking at just like the nine characters that it could possibly be based on chevrons that's when you start like you start hitting scientific notation for number of possible permutations 
once you hit as soon as you hit that eighth character and even even seven puts you at 77 billion options so theoretically if they took over the society event and put them towards the purpose of opening the stargate within several generations they might do it might providing they keep a track of of what combinations they've already tried yeah throughout all of those generations and now they didn't manage to find the writing eventually but it wasn't an initial thing and at that point in the movie um they had other issues they had to deal with like you know a spaceship that had shown up and like an angry alien yeah a very angry alien which also gets in the way of brute forcing and even even dialing out from earth with the brute forcing the power draw that they're they're talking about and you're talking about a government installation even if they had to had the first six symbols all right and they knew they were looking for just a seventh they probably have a lot of red tape to go through to say we know we are going to make progress this time to justify drawing that amount of power for as long as they would be this time i think is really fun there because it implies that they've done it before and well it didn't work well they've probably tried the first six at least once yeah and they couldn't get anywhere like do we have to put in another one and they're like which one do we throw in government red tape comes in and no you can't do that until you can tell me you're gonna actually make it this time all right so uh, what's our next plot hole so this one ties in um it says the entire mystery regarding requiring Jackson's presence on the science team is their inability to recognize the seventh symbol, which, given the simple back and forth dialing system of the gate, this is was not enough of a challenge. All that was necessary was to dial the first six characters repeatedly, changing the final one till the thing worked. A much better plot device would have been to have Jackson discover the correct order of the characters somehow, or some other reasonable nece- necessary mystery. Which but we kind of already talked about. It isn't even a plot hole here. This is just saying you didn't like what the mystery was. It's not a plot hole. And then even if you wanted that, it's like you hand somebody, like you give somebody who's never seen a phone before, ever, you hand them a telephone and six digits of a phone number. They're like, okay, well, there's these numbers on here and numbers there, I guess I can press them. And then it repeatedly doesn't do anything. Because you don't have the full phone number. Because you don't have the full phone number. So, yeah, this really isn't... It's This I mean, is just dumb and it's, some being pedantic. More I mean, on that same plot hole that we just covered. Because mm-hmm. why don't you just brute force it? Yeah, I mean, it does reduce it to they only have 39 possible combinations of what symbols they could put in. But... If you're unsure of exactly what will happen if you get the wrong one put in at that point when everything's shaking and rumbling and... I kind of think they knew what, what was supposed to happen, though. I think they knew that it was a a gate to the stars or a stargate, if you will, because... Yeah, they were set up for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Heaven's Door. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a bunch of equipment set up for the purpose of if this is a wormhole-type device... But they had to be worried it might go all half-life on them. Yeah, they don't know what's going to happen. And so they'd much rather have uh, an expert come in, solve their mystery for them, and have a pretty good person to blame should things go wrong. Daniel Jackson, convenient fall guy. That's that's what they really wanted him. All right, so here's it's a plot hole for you guys. So Ra gets the bomb that they brought with them, and he plans to send it back to Earth with some material, some mineral that will boost it power by a hundred times because he expects to end earth civilization that way you know out of sight out of mind doesn't have to worry about the fact that we uh kicked him off earth thousands of years ago um and then it's not really said what the normal yield of the bomb is but it's we shouldn't expect it to be too big it's not a big bomb um not for that size and, like, yeah, if it's boosted to, like, two megaton bomb by a hundred times, that's still, like, 200 megatons, which is not really much bigger than what we actually have tested. Um, and it would also explode underground in the mountain and not destroy Earth. So you're going to so. destroy the facility, for sure, but not in civilization. Well, here's the thing. So Ross says that he used some of the uh, the secret mineral or whatever... Um, I don't know what, what, what should we call it? Let's call it Naquita. 
Yeah, we'll call it Naquita. That's a that rolls right off the tongue. So basically, and they say this in the movie, that mineral is the same mineral that the Stargate is made out of. So the bomb didn't change size, so he so he didn't he added some, but not a ton, not enough to facilitate or necessitate a construction of a bigger shell. So if the bomb blows up right next to the Stargate that's made of the same material that's going to boost the bomb, it's probably just going to start a chain reaction. So maybe the bomb explodes a hundred times more, but with enough of the Naquita in the Stargate, it will probably make it blow up even better. Big bada boom. I mean, and we we don't know the yield really of the the bomb they were putting, anyways. And Rod probably didn't know that it was underneath the mountain. I mean, when he left, there's no way he could have known. He, yeah. Last time he saw that Stargate, it was in Egypt, which was the center of the ancient world. I mean, he probably thinks that not much has changed since then. And would still cause a lot of problem if it had exploded in Egypt. Um, a lot of it's just what Raw thinks will happen. And who knows? Maybe he's just saying this is a hundred times more. Well, maybe it's actually like a hundred and one times more. Maybe he's just using a nice round number to, to drive the plot forward. Paraphrasing. And maybe it actually would be just enough energy to ignite the atmosphere. And once the atmosphere gets ignited, the whole the whole neighborhood goes downhill. Yeah. So here's another plot hole for us. Goes back to our. Uh, are needing seven symbols, but this one goes to, we need these, the symbols were for coordinates to characterize an abstract course to a position in three-dimensional space. That's why we needed that seventh symbol to give us an origin point. However, the origin point for the jump is always the Stargate itself, so why do you need that seventh symbol? Because it's, it the Stargate is your start point. But the Stargate can move clearly they moved it from egypt to inside a mountain but that's not really going to change like the constellations because i mean that's the constellations that's fair in that's fair egypt are the same as here i think they are okay but i mean theoretically if they had the technology they could put it on a spaceship and take it to a different constellation and then you would have a problem but in here but that's a lot of work that i don't think and the people who designed it would have thought of question mark and this is definitely one that the ser- the tv series like worked in later in the i think all the stargates in the series have like a specific symbol dedicated to that stargate at least the two that we see in the movie do we have right. the, the one on abydos and the one on earth have separate symbols it could be one it's a convenient way to have a an enter button so like yeah, Richard mentioned earlier that there's actually nine chevrons on the Stargate. Though we only use seven. Yeah, well, six for the coordinates, seven for the, and uh, we'll say the enter button or whatever, so. Yeah, and it might actually make a lot of sense depending on how the Stargates actually work. Like, if it's an interconnected uh, system, like a network of sorts, you might need that to say, hey, this is the Stargate that is on it's almost like it was a system that gets routed through other stargates and you need a route a origin routing destination but i couldn't possibly comment about that kind of thing yeah and i mean there is a good point there that it's not a necessary thing but there's also no reason for that not to be a thing especially if it's some sort of um security feature um it's not something that's necessarily needed but there's also a good reason to have it maybe for security purposes it's like telephone protocol. Yeah. So I don't see it as really as a plot hole. I mean, it doesn't keep the plot from happening. Specific, like with the telephone protocol that Peter brought up, it's like dialing nine to get an outside line. Or um, country codes. Yeah. It's just, it works slightly differently because it's not our telephone system. So Peter, what you're saying is aliens built the uh, telecom system? I'm, I'm saying the aliens That's don't this. use our telecom protocols. Look, in 10,000 years, I imagine someone will look back and say there's no way humans of that time period were advanced enough to make the internet aliens. I, I make sense to me. Yeah. All right, moving on. So next plot hole. The true purpose of the mission, the destruction of the Stargate on Abydos if enemies are, were found, 
was not explained in any sensible manner. If O'Neill was expected to detonate the nuclear weapon, what was supposed to occur if he was injured or killed and could not complete the task? Additionally, the assembled group was not warned of the possible risk of mission, uh, risks of mission failure, which violates basic military protocols. Assuming that some of the men had families, sending them on what was possibly a suicide mission without informing them of the fact and asking for volunteers risked the mission becoming a failure if the men were discovered if the men discovered the true reasons and then disobeyed orders uh, or mutinied. So I have problems just with the phrasing because the true purpose of the mission is assuming that they did not honestly want to scout the place. And it's, they, they wanted to scout it. They wanted to see what was on the other side. They wanted to find out if there was stuff they could use over on the other side. The true mission that they're talking about is the, there is stuff over here that we can't deal with. And they gave him a bomb with a timer that he could turn on, exit through a Stargate, and go, peace. Yeah. We're I'm, out. I'm thinking that's what the true mission was actually the worst case scenario mission where they go through, can't find the the dial back. They're getting wiped out anyways. Let's get this off. Almost like what happens in the film. Yeah, like I imagine though it was the plan was for even worse than the film. And um so some of the members don't know about the bomb, but we don't know that every member of the team didn't know about the bomb. Just because you don't see them say this is possibly a suicide mission doesn't mean they didn't say this is possibly a suicide mission. And well, they almost and ask for volunteers. Ask for volunteers to go to an alien planet. Yeah, like especially with promise of, hey, there's a chance you might not make it back. We're gonna set this up. We're gonna send an expert with you who should be able to make it so you can come back. But you know, things could still go wrong. Are you okay with this? You might die. You know this is a possible one way trip going in. That's just a, just because they didn't show the full briefing doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's actually kind of a good segue, John, for the next plot hole, if you oh. want to well, read it. From there, yeah. All right. So um, the plot hole is when the team makes their first trip through the gate, the soldiers expect Daniel to work out how to get them back. But when he can't do this, he is vilified, mocked, treated poorly, and... Uh, why didn't like Stargate Command just have a set time to elapse and then dial back to see if they can get a transmission in or get an update? I mean, this just seems like a poor planning. So one thing I'd like to say is, you know, why they vilify Daniel? Because Daniel basically said that he could do it. Like everything he says in the movie, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. He's very, I don't want to say sure of himself, but he does overpromise a lot of the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he, he does make some big claims, and he does show off and uh, makes fun of the other uh, translation guy they have. And sure, he was using the equivalent of uh, Google Translate at that time, but don't make fun of the guy. He was doing the best he could. And he, like, the big difference between your Stargate and Heaven's Door, I mean... Semantics? Yeah. It was... One slightly catchier. Yeah, yeah, one is definitely more marketable. Yeah, that's what Daniel was all about. He wanted to get that funding. Nobody wanted to listen to him with his crazy... Gotta get his grant money. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it wasn't aliens, but it was alien speech, where he didn't want to actually <laughs> say that it was aliens, but he wanted to say it was aliens. But as to why Stargate Command didn't do that, well, that was probably just a port Again, that whole... This costs a ton of money to open a Stargate. We can't just keep doing this willy-nilly. It'd be a lot cheaper if we can help it from the other end. And once again, I mean, they had the promise. Um, I kind of feel like it was a bit poor planning. They should have done a bit more testing before they sent a person through. But I want, maybe the reason why they had to get a team through ASAP is because they needed results. Oh, yeah, they had someone breathing down their necks. That whole funding issue. Yeah. You got like, the, you've got the brass up at the top going, the, the need over, results. The, the oversight committee. And maybe that's why they even brought in Daniel. Like, they had two years of just nothing happening. It's like, okay, let's bring in an outside guy if nothing happens in, I don't know, another year. Maybe even another month or something. I don't know. Because they were kind of surprised when it's like, you figured this out in two weeks and it took the other people two years to do that. Yeah. We're so, spending millions of dollars on this on this project. We need results. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, any other plot holes? 
I think that's our IMDb list. Um, there is one more way down in the spoilers section. Uh-huh. Uh, when the villagers assist in the Earth Group's break for freedom, they seem to have quickly gained an understanding of how submachine guns are operated without anyone's help. Well, the principle of point and pull the trigger is pretty obvious and could be quickly discovered there is still the issue of the safety catch. Uh, in addition, it would appear that O'Neill's soldiers stored their weapons loaded and charged, something no soldier would do with a weapon that was being transported in a container, is the plot hole on here. All right. So, some of that, like the uh, weapons being transported in containers, the ones that they brought through in the cases... Sure, but the ones that a lot of the villagers had were were some of the ones that were taken by his team to the city. Yeah, and so they would have had they would have seen those. So I think they're assuming that the only weapons they got were the ones they found when the kids found the camp later. Um, but as you said, that it's an assumption. Yep, and there's you know there were several guns that were at the camp. The kids. Like, a bunch of them saw them fired in use. Um, there's the assumption in that uh, plot hole that at no point did the uh, a soldier talk to the kids or try and impress them with the guns. And uh, we do know that our lead native guy was watching the colonel really closely. Like... Very closely. Was, we have a whole scene about it with the, uh, the cigarette. Um... He was to say he was not paying attention to how what he was doing with those guns. And so if they had one that was assembled, just one, I'm pretty sure they would have figured out how to assemble the others. And if the question about whether or not you can shoot the gun is down to one of the few mechanical pieces on it that move after the uh, uh, magazine's attached, it's not that hard, really. Charging lever, safety catch. And trigger. So, I mean, just because they didn't have a writing, because it was, you know, punishable by death by an alien with energy weapons, doesn't mean that they were stupid. What are you talking about, Richard? They're obviously not white, so they're not as smart as us. Oh, there goes Eric again. So, with his, uh... Apologize, Eric. Apologize, apologize right now. Apologize to the natives of Abaddon. Abaddon? No, is it that Abydos? Is a de- that's Abydos. Abaddon yeah, apolo- is a demon. Uh, apolo- apologize to the natives of Abydos. It was it's sarcastic. It's one of the big complaints of the book that this movie is based off of. So in case you don't know, Stargate was actually based off a book called Chariot of the Gods, where someone put forth the idea that, hey, the pyramids weren't, like, ancient people couldn't have built the pyramids. It must have been aliens. Aliens. But then a lot of people are like, well, that's kind of assuming that they're just people are dumb and, and they can't move large rocks and they can't put them in the shape of a pyramid one of the most basic construction types there are but it was also specifically like the structures in the middle east and everything every all the structures in europe well those were obviously built by uh humans so it goes into the into the thought well why are the white people able to build stuff but not the dark-skinned people yeah, yeah, that's the, that's some subtle racism there in your uh, alien theories. So, though the based on Chariot of the Gods, I would like to point out is very very loose. It's just that you know the film the film directors really liked uh, a couple of the space ideas. Oh, it was really big in the seventies. Like Chariot of the Gods was huge. Oh, it was it was, but. There is a zero plot that connects it to Stargate. I, the only thing other really than aliens. aliens built the pyramids. That's very specifically that the aliens didn't build the pyramids. It's that they made the humans do it. Yeah, slave labor. So you know, it's almost like the humans did that too. Oh no, <laughs> humans are jerks. Yeah, but yeah. So that's all the plot holes, right? Well, there there were a couple that were brought up that were interesting points. For instance, why did they bring through a satellite dish when there weren't any satellites that they had set up? If you don't have a satellite in orbit, what it doesn't do anything to? for it. Yeah. Well, what if there was a satellite and they wanted to see if there was something going on, like trying to bounce off? I mean, we know that uh, building satellites is necessary for global communication for an advanced civilization. And if they wanted to check to see if there was an advanced civilization, they could check for satellites. What if they use telegraph wires? 
or what if it's not actually a satellite dish, but a, uh, a directional directional antenna and directional antenna, yeah, to catch up on those, uh, enhance the radio signal. I mean that works. I, I mean we we know that the device that the dish is on is the communication center thing, like the base camp communication center. Just a nice directional antenna for a radio base station. Yeah, maybe to hopefully maybe talk back to Earth. Or, you know, as they spread out, because they don't know quite uh, what sort of uh, atmospheric conditions they're going to deal with that might screw up their signal, like sandstorms. I think talking to Earth might be a stretch, unless you want to wait a really long time for any responses. Well, they were able to talk while the Stargate was on. Yeah, but if the Stargate's on, I don't think you'd need the antenna. Well, maybe if maybe they go the further field... away from the gate, they would. Yeah, the, mm, so possible. The uh, the team is away from the gate, but they can radio back to the um, the drone. It's not a drone, but the the remote. Okay, remote controlled car, basically. It's a drone. Uh, the probe. So, yeah, the probe. to the probe. There we go. So the team is away from the Stargate, out of radio range of the Stargate, but or Earth through this, anyways. But they're they're within range of the. Uh, probe then the probe can relay that radio signal back to earth like if they have to send another probe through later it could get uh, stored information when nobody ever shows up again yeah maybe a log system i I don't know though this was 1990 and hard drives couldn't hold that much space or they they didn't have that much space on this it would depend on what data you're storing well what if it was a uh, a cassette cassette tape which you could do recordings of radio signals yeah. Hmm. But that's only like 32 minutes. It's going to need a lot of cassette tapes. Well, they didn't talk that much on it. I'm just being a jerk. I know you are. All right. Do we have any more plot holes? No, there was the assembly of the bomb. Why would he Why would he take a bomb he has to put together himself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually kind of think that's funny because he's like putting the bomb together. But who's to say that the, compre- that the Stargate isn't going to set the bomb off as it goes through? That's true. And they have to put it together, and it might just be um, easier to transport that way. Well, I mean, so in this uh, shot of the Stargate dematerializing everyone, it stretches them all out, and but then you have to assume that when they get back, they get slammed back together, which conveniently is exactly how fusion works, in that you take uranium and then slam more uranium into it, and it starts a fusion reaction. So maybe they're like, they don't... I don't know if they know how it actually works or whatever, but let's not take a risk and kill our team, like, right when they get there. And he did, like, assemble it as soon as they had secured the area. Like, his next step was get the bomb ready. And then... Which does seem like a... Like a harsh step if you haven't encountered resistance yet. Well, I kind of feel like um, O'Neill was planning on going, setting the bomb off regardless of what they found. I mean, yeah, like he was in that kind of state of mind. Like he was going to set the bomb off and stay behind. Yeah, like yeah. eventually. So he was set up. He's like he was you know. not in a great mindset. No, he had that whole like recent depression over the death of a child. Yeah, and he probably decided, you know what, I'm gonna burn up another planet, like this little spot on it, in honor of my son. And they can't stop me. So there might be a bit of going off a mission orders with uh o'neill at that point and with the you know why is he the only one that knows about the bomb we don't know that because lieutenant kowalski is fairly close with him through most of it and obviously is fair is the second in command for the group but by the time the bomb becomes an issue kowalski and o'neill are separated and Kowalski doesn't get a chance to interact with the bomb at any point after that. And several other members of the team have been suborned and turned to be uh, Ra's guards at that point. Another thing, too, just in military protocol, like the the higher-ups give the information to O'Neill, like to the commanding officer of the mission, and then it's that commanding officer's job to disseminate the information to their team. So... Maybe they had given O'Neill the information with the expectation that he would then give that to that information to his team. I mean, on the 
the same thing with uh, Kowalski might have known. Um, There's something that was pointed out on the IMDb page as well, is that he's referred to as Lieutenant Kowalski, but the rank insignia he, he wears is that of a lieutenant colonel, which would actually be referred to as colonel, which was the problem they're pointing out. But he's higher rank than he appears in the movie, so why wouldn't he know? He would, at that point, outrank uh, Colonel, Colonel O'Neill. Or, no, he would be right there with Colonel O'Neill. Yeah. Maybe he just got recently demoted. Maybe they're just raiding the prop department or the <laughs> uniform department for whatever <laughs> uniforms they had. Because, yeah, at this time, like, it was just a movie. They probably just threw a bunch of uh, stripes on a green uh, jumpsuit or whatever. Yeah, but I, this makes it kind of a plot hole. We have to fill it, guys. Well, I thought we did. Yeah, yeah but we have to fill out, like, is it, is it because uh, he recently demoted? Well, I was thinking since they have the two colonels, one gets referred to as colonel, the other gets referred to as lieutenant, even though he's oh, a lieutenant so, colonel, so they have a, just uh, to differentiate. They have a hierarchy. Like, they can't have two commanding officers there one of them is going to be in charge all right all right i'll accept it any any more problems we got to take care plot of Plot hole filled with sand oh, so much sand i mean plot holes no small complaints small complaints absolutely we'll go ahead all right well, well daniel jackson at one point refers to the writing as hieroglyphics which no self-respecting egyptologist would ever do Hieroglyphic is an adjective. An Egyptologist would call it either hieroglyphs or hieroglyphic writing. But my answer to that is Daniel Jackson is not a self-respecting Egyptologist. He doesn't have a whole lot of that self-respect going on. Hence the aliens, but not actually aliens talk. Well, he also calls out like one of the, I think one of the, I don't know, I'm not an Egyptologist, but one of the fairly like a fairly uh, respected Egyptologist and said, Oh, he's basically wrong. Yeah. So who's to say that Daniel Jackson in his own mind doesn't think that he knows better than everyone else. And does he do it more than once? And we are talking about jargon use. I mean, sometimes he just lets something from popular culture slip in. If it's wrong, just happens. Cause no one's ever made a mistake before. I mean, he does later on refer to hieroglyphic, um, inscriptions like when he's saying i can't find any of these hieroglyphic inscriptions anywhere so he uses it correctly it's just like in one specific scene Mm -hmm. and it's real quick and he was just talking and he wanted to prove how smart he was and he doesn't respect himself more complaints that's that's really basically it there are several that are interesting because they point out that several people thought they were plot holes and then IMDb solved them, so those were kind of cool. Oh, someone else took care of stuff. Yeah. Might be worth a read, guys. Yeah. But they're, like, seriously, someone was having a bad day, I think, and then decided to take it out on poor old Stargate. Like, they were having a bad day, and they were watching Stargate for whatever reason, and they were like, you know what? I don't like this movie. There's something wrong on the internet. I need to fix that. All right. But guess what, guys? I love Stargate. Yeah. Me I, too. Stargate's a great movie. I, I definitely think I like the TV shows a little bit more than the actual movies. Yeah, it, it's a mostly okay movie. That's the thing is, like, that movie got us S- Stargate SG One. Now that we now that we're kind of addressing this, we can go into the SG One corner and go. This movie set up that whole franchise and so many plot holes that people bring up as plot holes for the film are explained. By the TV series. Yeah, like in the TV series, Abydos isn't across the universe, as like they say in the movie. They're actually saying, oh no, it's actually one of the closest planets to Earth. It just... We just had our sensors galaxy, or, or something. Or sensors or the equation that they used to calculate where it probably was. Well, in the, the TV readings. series, they say their sensors were calibrated incorrectly. They just go, nope, we were, we were just wrong there. And... Guess what, guys? Naquita comes from SG-1. And they 100% explain that if you blow up a Stargate, bad things happen to your planet. 
So this is kind of off topic, but what was your guys' first Stargate experience? Did you start off with the movie, or did you start off with the TV show? I started off with the movie. I started off Likewise. with the movie. I think I, I can't remember, but I think I started off with SG-1, because oh, it was on Netflix. Though, to be honest, not entirely unexpected. Yeah, it's I caught, so I was able to catch some of SG-1 when it was originally airing. But I, the only reason I was interested in watching it was because I had watched the movie. And I can't, I might have seen the movie first, but I, I know I, I didn't see it up and I think I saw it like 10 years ago or so. I can't quite remember. It's fairly recent for me, but I think I saw the movie first. I'm going to, you know, change my story, but I think I saw the movie first because I saw SG one was on Netflix. It's like, well, let's watch the movie first and then watch this. See, I actually watched the, uh, uh, premiere of SG One on TV, so wow, nice. I actually caught that. That's all I really watched of SG One, though. Well, let's just say the first episode is really, really different than how the show would turn out. Well, it's also this was the uh, the uh, network television version of it. Too. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, let's well, just say like the... it was a surprise because I had seen the uh, network television premiere, and then they have like the uh, the the theatrical release the theatrical release of it but yeah i watched um the movie and then later the like premiere but i didn't really watch the series i'm not into sg1 as much as my uh co-host star yeah i love sg1 it's so good i haven't seen all of it i've seen some of it yeah i've seen i have seen more than just like the one thing but like both me and eric have the like stargate collectible box set that's huge and beautiful it, it definitely makes it hard to like put with your other dvds though because it is that big but it looks so good for me i think sg1 kind of went downhill once they got rid of um well once it turned into farscape F- sg1 basically <laughs> um and i'm blanking on his name um macgyver o'neill no uh, his actual name oh richard dean anderson yes as soon as Richard Dean Anderson left the series, I think it start, it went downhill. It's still fun, but he definitely brought a special um, sort of magic to SG-1. Now here's a question for you. Would you like Kurt Russell to have uh, reprised the role of um, O'Neill? No. I actually like, uh, Rick, uh, I like the TV O'Neill better than... Movie O'Neill. Movie O'Neill. Would and, you like the uh, TV O'Neill have to have been the movie O'Neill? I don't think it would have worked, to be honest. Um, they actually joke about that in SG One that there's actually two O'Neills at Stargate Command. And as a matter of fact, TV O'Neill has double L, and Movie O'Neill only has one. Huh. Uh-huh. So they are different characters ish because they both have both their kids were killed by handguns that were left out and they both went through a stargate with a lieutenant kowalski and and a daniel jackson technically they are the same character but because they didn't want to the joke step about on the differences they didn't want to step on kurt russell as well it was the give him a slightly different name but it will be the same character so uh What's people's thoughts about comparing Stargate to uh, Disney's Atlantis? You mean Stargate Atlantis, or no, no, like, no. like the movie, movie to movie, the the movie um, at Stargate to the movie uh, is is it Atlantis or Search for Atlantis? Uh, it's Atlantis, Atlantis with the a... Lost Empire or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know because I only saw Atlantis like once. Yeah, I mean, but the the beginnings are very similar. Yeah, they could see that indeed. Give them the talk, try to get funding. But, but I mean, but one is a planet Earth based and has water, and the other space based and has sand. But it ends whole, up with the native um, girl. My the thing end. is that yeah. I I suspect that there might have been actually a little bit of inspiration, given that Disney's Atlantis happened in two thousand and one, where Stargate was nineteen ninety four. Yeah. But it's not like the trope of the misunderstood scientist who has some groundbreaking knowledge but is going against conventional wisdom is that foreign of a concept. I mean, nah. Back to the Future has it. 
well, Stargate and Atlantis have that habit. There's lots of different characters with that. It they can't sure there was probably some inspiration, but it's not like they cribbed it like word for word. Well, I mean, plus like scientists that know things about lost empires or figure things out right. is a huge trope in pulp fiction. And then just in military general, going guy way who's going to blow everything up. Both movies didn't get the recognition they deserved. No, that's true. Atlantis was part of the dark period of Disney. Like, all those films are basically bad. Atlantis was a good movie. Is it an Aladdin, though? Not no. everything can be Aladdin. You're right, they could be the Lion King. Think think about Atlantis in just the the period it was released in, with the other movies that came out from the studio. Drug it's one of the good ones. It is, and it had a fantastic soundtrack. Wait, what was the final one? Was that the... Uh... Home on the Range? Yes, Home on the Range is the Disney movie that killed their animation. Well, I mean, besides Prince and the Frog. But, but there was like Lilo and Stitch in that time period, too. Lilo and Stitch isn't that good. I like Lilo and wow, Stitch. this guy over here just hating on Disney. Oh, I love Disney. He just hates certain <laughs> parts of Disney. I just don't like the 2000s Disney, like um, Chicken Little. Like, that was a bad movie. Um, Treasure Planet's not... Like, everyone loves Treasure Planet, but it's not that good. Well, I think Treasure Planet's appeal actually mostly lies in the technical aspects of it. The, like blending CGI and... Yeah, well, um, it's, a, it's a time period thing. I've, had, I've heard people talk about it as being impressive in those regards. You know who else? what movie also did that? Lion King. That came out like 10 years before. But not on the same level. And they didn't just crib the plot from, uh, you know, Shakespeare. To be fair, everyone or, cribs the plot some, from or, Shakespeare. Uh, was it Kimba? Oh, the, Kimba the, the White, White Lion. Lion. Kimba the White Lion. Yeah, that that was no inspiration there at all. No, no connection. Hey, it's a uh, it's like um, Picasso said, "Great art, great art, or good artists borrow, great artists steal." All right, now I, we've gone far from Stargate. We have, now at we this have gone very tangential. We have gone through the Stargate. A- any on last the other thoughts side. on on Stargate? Uh, it's it's a film that I really really like. And it's like when we were rewatching it, when I rewatched it for this to do research, it was just the, I found myself just smiling halfway through the film going, my goodness, it's been a long time since I've watched this. It is definitely a fun action film. Like, it's not going to win awards. Like, nah, it's great action sci-fi. But the early 90s, like late 80s, early 90s were really good for that genre. Because you had Aliens too, or Aliens Let's see, what other, like, there were just a ton of great sci-fi movies, like, action movies coming out in that time. Terminator 2? Yeah, because that was early 90s, so. Yeah. Um, The Matrix was late 90s. Yeah, I I would put that closer to 2000. Yeah. It was like 99 or something. Pretty much everything Arnold. Yeah. But it's, it's a fun film that... It's it still holds up. It's a film that like I didn't watch it and go, man, I, it just isn't as good as I remember. You didn't need to put on the rose tinted glasses to watch it. No, yeah. it, it was, it's yeah. it's a movie that holds up and it's got good music and fun action. Like you again, I I also really like myself some Richard Dean Anderson as Jack O'Neill, but Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is what made the character into a thing that we wanted to keep going. Like they got a good cast, they got a they had a great great production. It was it's just a good film all the way around. I think Kurt Russell also did a really good job as the character cuz with his character growth like from the definitely suicidal to only the main uh possibly suicidal. Mhm. But I mean like where he actually finds like stuff to live for and it makes him want to ch- change his mind and, you know, protect everyone. <laughs> I think like Kurt Russell was definitely a good choice for that. Um, uh, Bill Spade. Oh gosh, not James Bill, Spader. James Spader. Yeah. James Spader was a good Daniel Jackson. He definitely had that, um, smarmy. Like I am definitely smarter than you, even though I don't get the recognition that I deserve attitude. Like, and plus raw was really creepy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Ross creepy. 
like not creepy as in like ooh he's gonna come get me but like well i guess in a michael jackson sort of creepy way see i remember Dude used kids as a human shield i remember when they willingly threw themselves we at him. Fir- when i first watched it because we watched it like pretty much as a family but i remember our older sister talking about how raw freaked her out because and she did not like it or she liked the film but she, but it was like raw was a good bad guy another thing too it's also just a very good self-contained story yeah it is it does tell it has the setup and the resolution and it like because you don't even actually see them get back to earth but you assume they do because they go through the stargate they don't need to show like are yeah. they going to get back but no they yeah they know the story's do. done and it's self-contained but it's establishes a universe that can be spawned into a three tv series with some tv movies and possibly other another series on several the video games i, I think they machine. hoped that it would be uh, that's when you know you've made it when you a pinball machine when sorry i'm just looking let's see when did stargate sg1 come out okay it came out in 1997 um so three, three years so they had three years of just like sitting around or not sitting around but you know, people like, I really like that movie. Like, the build-up? Yeah. So, like, Stargate was 94, SG-1 was 90, 97. So. See, I don't remember Stargate getting a great uh, critical reaction. And so I'm thinking it was a situation where they had thought, oh, we're going to set up a franchise. And because this was early internet days, it's not quite the same concept of where some, if something's a cult classic that a lot of people like but you don't know it it's harder to figure out and then before they could get things rolling i'm pretty sure like the the people who actually like the head writers for sg1 were just such big fans of the stargate movie that they basically like forced a tv uh, network into letting them do a season it's like let us do the season and it's going to be great yeah so that that's what i feel like the Stargate is the sign of what things used to look like before um, you could see what was trending on Twitter and where things might go unnoticed if they had popularity within certain groups. If they weren't liked generally. I mean, they, they have the Nelson uh, rating system, which is has a lot of flaws in and of itself. But yeah, it, it would probably be hard to judge... Um, I don't want to say critical reception, but just like popular reception. I, I think Firefly, for example, is one of the... Yeah, Firefly was a lot more popular and has a larger cult following. Uh, to be honest, Family Guy was one that was oh, yeah. weird, where it was not well-received, and then went but, to DVD and exploded, and then it came back. So, yeah, different times. Yeah. But I think that's all we have to say about Stargate, right? If you have so. If you haven't seen it, we highly recommend it. I would recommend watching uh, the TV series as well. I I thoroughly enjoy those. I also recommend it because I really enjoy them. Like, enough that I went and bought the box sets. The only one I'm missing is Universe, but it's hard to find a box set of the Universe, considering it's only two seasons. You may just have to buy season one, then season two. Yeah. And we're out. Oh, wait, no. But hey, let us know what you thought about this movie, if you saw it, or on facebook at plot spackle message us on twitter we might notice we we will i actually check that guys oh just like i check our email which you can send us at plot spackle pod or plot spackle podcast at gmail.com and become a patreon please do uh you can you can hear us talk about all the random crap in the unedited stuff or our uh or when i delve way too deep into research Well, I think that's going to do it for us, so thank you for listening to Plot Spackle, and join us next time.